Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 249 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Suzanne Wright. Suzanne lives in Vega, Texas, and she teaches adults how to care for children from traumatic backgrounds at a large residential child care facility. Welcome, Suzanne. Good morning. Thank you. It's great to have you here. So what ages of kids are there? Uh, From age six all the way through 18. Wow. I know that's got to be a challenge, and I bet the pandemic has really made things even more of a struggle. It has created some extra obstacles for sure. I know that the work that you're doing is important because, you know, I started teaching, as everyone knows, I started teaching a long time ago. I started in 1990. And you know, there were definitely children from traumatic backgrounds back in 1990, but it just seems like things over the years escalated. Maybe it was because we were better at finding and caring for the kids from the school setting. I'm not really sure, but it certainly seemed like things were not getting better. So thank you for the work that you're doing. I am very blessed to be a part of this work. I enjoy it tremendously. You know that you're making a difference. Yes. Well, we could talk about that all day long, but this is not that podcast. So let's let's turn and talk about intermittent fasting. So you know I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? It was on uh, July 13th of 2020. So uh, two years and almost two weeks ago. Awesome. Because we're recording this in July. I have pretty much been a set weight all of my adult life. In pregnancies, I gained about 35 pounds, and I would go back to my set weight. When I was in my 30s and 40s, if I noticed my weight started to creep up, I would skip dinner for a few evenings, not 
knowing why that worked, just assuming it was fewer calories, but it kind of reset. About three years before I started intermittent fasting, I I had a, a back injury, kind of a degenerative disc issue. So that changed my ability to exercise. I was also, you know, creeping up through my 40s. And I just assumed it was typical aging, right? I think we have been misled as women to believe that once we hit our 40s and beyond, we're going to gain weight. You know, we've watched our family members and our friends do that. And so you just assume it's part of typical aging and that there was no alternative. And so my, my weight had crept up a little bit. And then in January of 2020, my doctor gave me a, this two-week regimen of medication, and I gained an additional 10 pounds in about two weeks. Wow. See, that is powerful to think about. And it just shows that so it was 10 pounds in two weeks. And you were not eating differently. You didn't all of a sudden lose the ability to, you know, eat the right amount of food for your body. But your body gained 10 pounds in two weeks. And it wasn't because of anything different that you were doing with eating. It just shows how much of this is out of our, it's it's what your body is doing. That medication caused something to change in your body. And bam, 10 pounds, two weeks. You know, at that point, I was miserable (laughs) and uh, probably should have gone up a size in clothing, but just refused to because I'm stubborn. Yeah. So at that point you were, were you about 10 point pounds over that set weight that you had been able to maintain or even higher than that? I was probably about 20 to 15 pounds, 15 to pounds over that set weight. But that's the weight where you felt good because it was the weight where your body had been for your your adult life. So 15 to 20 pounds over a weight that you had been able to maintain for a long time, you really, really feel it. You just feel different in your body. I did. I'm five foot four and I'm petite. I have, you know, little fingers and little wrists and I'm just a small boned person. And so I felt really uncomfortable. So I started to to look for a solution. I'm not going to weigh or measure food. I am not going to count macros. I am, you know, not going to eat only one food group and avoid another or, you know, and years ago in about 1989, I actually worked for Nutrisystem in a small town and I taught the behavioral classes, right? So it was a prescripted, a scripted class that I taught but people would come in and we would talk about things like emotional eating, right? So I knew what their program was. I knew the packaged foods was not something that I was going to do. And so, you know, for a few months, I just struggled knowing I needed to do something, but not being able to find a solution that sounded sustainable for me. Back to Nutrisystem for a minute. That's so interesting. Do they still have in-person kind of meetings like that? I don't think so. I think eventually they switch to you could do it online. Because I've just seen the commercials on TV. I, I didn't, like I know Weight Watchers has always had local stuff, but I don't didn't remember Nutrisystem doing that. But I mean, like I said, I just, I was, that wasn't on my radar back then in 89. But how in the world did you end up working for them? Because you did not need to lose weight. You'd not use their program. No, I was newly out of college. And I, again, I lived in a fairly small town but my field was social work. And um, while I was looking for a social work job, I stumbled across that. And it seemed like something I could do and they were willing to hire me to do it. So that's how I ended up working for Nutrisystem. I just assumed, and I wonder if the people who came there assumed too, like, oh, here's Suzanne. She's a great weight. Must have been the Nutrisystem. I did feel a little bit like an imposter. Right, because you had not had to do it. I had not at that point struggled, and I had not had to do those things. And so while I understood the concepts and I had some you know, background in psychology and sociology to understand what I was teaching, I had not walked the walk. So yes, I was an imposter. I apologize. That just made me wonder, did you learn some good things behaviorally? I did learn some good things. And and because we did talk a lot about emotional eating, I think that that was probably information that helped me later in life to prevent that from happening. 
So I do think it was a good experience. Because a lot of people, you know, in the, in the Delight on Tonight community, that is something that comes up a lot. And it's just a matter of, you know, we, we've developed these coping mechanisms, right? I mean, you, you work with people from traumatic backgrounds. Everyone has different coping mechanisms. With children, they can have all sorts of coping mechanisms. But as we can start learning to cope with food at, an, at a young age, and then we carry that with us. So having the ability to not go that path probably helped a lot. I think it did help a lot. You know, we we use food for everything. We celebrate with food. We mourn with food. We soothe, you know, when a child's crying and we offer them food. And so that is so woven into our culture and our human interactions with each other that that very often we're not aware of it. And then it becomes problematic and it's hard to separate emotions from food. That's true. I actually stopped in my classroom when I I talked about in cleanish when Will was going through his food sensitivities and, and I realized, you know, foods and how that affected behavior and at the, at that, I actually stopped rewarding children with food in my classroom. I never again gave out candy as a treat. I never had, you know, special snack days that we earned or anything like that. I mean, I was like, you know, if food is not going to be a reward in my classroom. We'll earn extra recess or something else. But I, I think it's important that because we, we don't realize that we're doing it. And it seems like, well, every other teacher on the hall has a candy jar that the kids can go to. Why doesn't, you know, Dr. Stevens? Well, <laughs> We get to take our shoes off. That's even better. So finding another way to to be happy. So back to um, you were struggling. It was you couldn't find any solution. You didn't know what to do. My mother mentioned that uh, we had had a family member who tried intermittent fasting and had great results. And now this was a conversation that we had probably had six months to a year you know, prior to this. But that popped up in my head, right, when I needed it the most. And so I started to Google intermittent fasting and to read about that. And I found a couple of different Facebook groups. One was yours. One was not yours. But I, I joined those. And I can remember saying to my husband, I found these two groups. And one of them is really rigid and strict. Was that mine? Yes. <laughs> and the other one is kind of loosey-goosey. So I'm seeing two very different pathways offered um, in these two groups. And even the Lucy Goosey group, though, people were mentioning your books. And so I ordered Fast Feast Repeat and I read that. And so I jumped right in. I'd probably been fasting a couple of weeks before I got the book and read about the clean fast. And the more I read the science behind it, the less comfortable I was in the loosey-goosey group, right? And so, I, you know, I saw what they were saying didn't have scientific backing. It was, I feel this way, I think this way, this, you know, this will work. But I was very much drawn to the proven scientific data-based methods that you share in your books and that you shared in that group. And so it wasn't very long before I had to remove myself from that second group. I just, you know, I had people over the years, even now, I'm not on Facebook anymore, but I have a messenger group just because we start, I'm, I'm still on messenger because it's a great way to communicate. But some of the people that were moderators in my Facebook groups before we close them, we still will chat about things like wish each other a happy birthday or share what we're doing. And sometimes one of them will come in and they're like, I'm in this other group and I'm arguing. And I'm like, stop, stop doing that. <laughs> We don't we don't have to argue with people. Just you know, people are not always ready to hear it. And I swear there was a time when I, you know, before I really before I read the obesity code, before I understood the science, I would have argued with anybody that gum worked for me, you know, the famous quote works for me. I would have argued that stevia quote worked for me because I thought it was working for me till I got rid of it. Which is why I put the clean fast challenge and fast feast repeat because People really do think these things are working for them until they eliminate them. And then they're like, oh, wait, that really was not working for me like I thought it was. They have to just really try it. So anybody who's listening that doesn't believe me, I promise, convince yourself by just doing it and trying it. But we can't argue with all the, the Facebook world out there. But I do think it's it's funny that we were the rigid group because that was our, our rule was fast, clean. We're not going to, you know, <laughs> that's it. That's all we want you to agree to. 
you know, we can fast clean and then the rest is very flexible. But one thing about your group too is that the message was consistent, right? And in this other group, everybody had a, a little bit different of a message. And so it was hard to wade through the different opinions and find what would work. And so I am a rule follower and I like consistency. And so I just felt much more at home with your people, (laughs) with your tribe. (laughs) Not everyone liked it. You know, people would get so angry. They'd be like, I would like to talk about how lemon works for me. We're like, look, we're not going to do that here because there are people who are new and will just cling to that. Like, well, this person said it worked for them. And so I'm going to cling to it. And then they're not going to have the results that they could have. And they're not going to feel the best that they could feel. And there'll be one more person who said, I tried intermittent fasting and it didn't work for me. And so that was the thing. We were trying to just get people off to the right start. Because once you feel the the clean fast and you feel so good, it's night and day different. You know, I was at a restaurant a few, like maybe a month ago. And it, you know, I was opening my window at the restaurant, but I ordered club soda with lime to drink because my window was going to be open, but I hadn't eaten yet. Club soda with lime. Took a few sips of that club soda with lime. I was instantly hangry. And I'm like, why did I start drinking that before the food got here? You know, and I think people just don't realize how great the clean fast feels. Anyway, there's my soapbox for today. But <laughs> So you, you liked the consistency of the clean fast and the message. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. I did. So I jumped right in. I started with an 18.6, that's not right, a 16.8 is where I started. And I lost my goal in about two months. So in about two months, I lost 15 pounds. I stuck with that and I actually lost another 10 pounds by January. So in another three to four months. And so that was below the set point. See, that's exciting. So you had been at a certain weight for all of your adult life. You had gotten about 15 pounds above that, didn't feel good in your body, lost that 15 plus 10 more. That's exciting. It was exciting and it was shocking because again, you know, I started this when I was 53 and now I'm 55. Who thinks that a 50 plus year old woman can lose weight? That is not what we've been taught. <laughs> I was thrilled with that and and I feel very comfortable at this weight and it's been easy to maintain. So once I got to that point, I narrowed 
I mean, I opened my window a little wider, right? And so through part of that, I did 19.5 and now I probably do 18.6. You started with a longer window and then gradually ended up with 19.5 most of the time, but now you're at about 18.6. Yeah, that's important that when we get to our goal, we might need a slightly longer window, but not hugely longer. You increased it maybe an hour. I'm an, in the minority group in that I'm a window, a morning window. I am. I know that I'm the minority I hear, but you know, for years, I would think, well, if I could just have dinner at 4 p.m. and be done, I'm done. I'm hungry about four. I was not hungry later in the evening. And so that seemed to fit perfectly with the intermittent fasting. And so when I started, it was 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Then I heard you on the podcast one day say, don't eat for future hunger. And because I realized it was about 3, 3.30, and I'd think, oh, I better eat before my window closes at 4. But I'm not hungry. So why would I eat for that? So I gradually just decreased that time, right, from 4 p.m. to 3 p.m. And I landed on 1 p.m. And so even now, I'm usually done eating by 1 p.m., and I'm done for the day. And I'm happy. It's exactly the opposite. Of- I love that you're telling this because it shows how we are just all so different in that we have to find what works for us. And you know, what immediately popped into my head is how you talked about when you were in your 30s, you would skip dinner. Like you naturally, I mean, you were not doing intermittent fasting because someone said, I'm doing fasting, let's fast through dinner. You just naturally said, I'm not going to eat thinner. And you felt good. That's what you gravitated to on your own. And so your body just, that you are a morning eating window person. Like I almost wish I could be like, but I can't, (laughs) you know, just because I, I feel like, you know, but my body doesn't like that. You know, I get so hungry. I'm starving later if I don't. I have thought that too. Would it be better to have an evening window? But there are times since I've done this, that I've had an evening meal and I just can't go to bed with food in my stomach. It feels like a brick. And I hear so many people say, I can't go to bed on an empty stomach, but it's just, it's the opposite for me. So yeah, listen to your body, people. (laughs) That's the key. I mean, I can't, if I closed my window at one, I would be starving. I mean, because I've, I've done it so many times, you know, like through the years, I'd be like, I'm just going to eat this big lunch and then I'll be fine. No, I'm starving later and then I can't sleep. But but I love when there are people who it's the opposite and they're like, nope, I've tried it. This is what works for me. So everybody listening, the name of the chapter is tweak it till it's easy because you've got to figure out what's easy for you. And if it's not easy, you haven't found it yet. You know, because you, Suzanne, could be trying to do what I do and it wouldn't be working for you. My husband also does intermittent fasting, and he started with a window that was very different from mine. He started a week after me, and the phrase that convinced him was, delay, don't deny. So I never, ever would have thought that he would join me in this. And he has always kind of had, I call it a scarcity mindset, so that if we talked about reducing, let's reduce sugar, he would double up. Right. Just that that subconscious fear of being without. Right. But I said, you know, delay, don't deny. We talked about that. You don't have to do without. You just need to eat it within a certain time frame. And I said, you know, you don't eat breakfast anyway. You start with lunch. And if you would have dinner and close your window, typically he would be popping a bag of popcorn around 930, 10 p.m., to mindlessly eat while he watched something on TV. And I said, you know, if you would either just move that popcorn up a little earlier in the evening or do without, you would be doing this. And he thought about it a couple of days and said, yeah, let, you know, let me try and jumped right in. And so our windows were different. They overlapped at lunchtime, you know, but I was eating earlier in the day and he was typically eating later in the day, but, but it worked. So when I started, I was still cooking an evening meal for him and my youngest daughter, who is still at home. I have two uh, older daughters. And I was so surprised to find that it did not bother me in the least to cook that meal, because if it was something I liked, 
I'll bring it to work the next day for lunch. Just save it for your window. Delay. I'm just delaying it, right? Um, you and your uh, podcast guest opened my eyes to the wonderful world of Topo Chico. And so I, you know, before I would have thought carbonated water, yuck, but I learned to love it. And I would drink a Topo Chico while I cooked dinner and found that I, I did not feel deprived in the least. I did not feel like I was missing out. Do you still have those different windows now? Like you're still early, he's still late? He has, again, I shared information from you, you know, that 16.8 is a great maintenance window, but maybe 19.5 is a better losing window. And so he shortened his window and he generally eats lunch about noon and then we'll have a snack sometime in the afternoon, but is almost always closed by 5 p.m. That's great. So he's feeling good and he's had success with the weight loss. He's lost about 20 pounds. He could probably stand to lose a little bit more. He does struggle with the sugar. He loves the sugar. That's hard for him to give up. But 20 pounds is great. It really is. Yeah. And Chad, same thing. He um, always has had that big sweet tooth, you know, so he'll be like, oh, I've eaten too much sugar for a while. And then he'll, because he could, I I mean, for him, he's always been so skinny, but he'll feel it just a little bit. And then he just, bam, it's gone. (laughs) Those people that you want to punch him in the face. No, I'm kidding. I don't, don't really want to punch him in the face. Oh, funny thing about Chad, I just have to share this. I thought about this sharing it because everybody knows Chad's fasting schedule. He actually skipped lunch the other day. I mean, I've never seen him do that. He was busy and he just only ate one meal. He's like, yeah, we've we've been eating a little bit more. Well, he was out running errands. And so it was like one o'clock by the time he got back and he had missed, he usually eats at 11. And he's like you know, it's already one o'clock. I think I'm just gonna, you know, we've been eating out. We've been eating more. I'm just going to wait. And I'm like, well, okay. And he did it and he was fine. We, he wasn't hangry and I was super proud of him. That's one thing I love about fasting is the flexibility. So during the losing phase, if I knew that we had say dinner planned with my parents, I would just delay and not open my window until late afternoon or at dinner. And it was wonderful to be able to do that. Now I may choose to delay until dinner or I may have dinner also occasionally because I can do that, right? It's flexible and I haven't messed up. I haven't fallen off the wagon. I'm just choosing to also have dinner. Sometimes if I'm with one of my daughters, they will say, mom, is your window closed or are you going to have dinner? And I may say, I'm going to wait and see what's on this restaurant menu And if anything's window worthy, and if it appeals to me, I'll have it. And if not, I'm going to have some Topo Chico and sit happily with you while you eat dinner. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the flexibility because you you just decide. And you can probably also sit and look at the menu and think, is this going to be too heavy in my stomach for this time of the day? One of the other things I really love about my early window is that All of my girls have been competitive athletes in high school. And so we have spent a lot of time in cars, going to tournaments, sitting on bleachers somewhere, watching. And when you go to all these evening games, what's available? Frito pie, a hot dog, you know, all of these foods that I don't like anyway, but they're not good. And so it was so wonderful to go to all these games and events. And my window's already closed and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, that's great. And that's funny that you said Frito pie is not what we're having at our games down around here. <laughs> that sounds very Texas. It's been a long time since I've been to a high school kind of event like that. I'm trying to even think because when my boys went to a fine arts high school and they didn't have sports. Isn't that weird? So we would go to, I would go to band concerts where there wouldn't, they would have like just like snack cake kind of things or we didn't have all that. So the, like, I swear the last time I've been to a high school sporting event, like really was like maybe when I was in high school. I don't know. But we had, you know, hot dogs, obviously, and and chips and things like that. But not the Frito pie, although I think I would probably like it. That just sounds very Texas. But hot dogs were always a big thing. Hot dogs, hamburgers at the school they went, usually they would have a Chick-fil-A evening. 
I think we always would have pizza, like big old pizzas, and people would have a slice of pizza. This when I was in high school, obviously it was a long time ago. You could not get Chick Fil A because that was only at the mall. Do you remember that? I do remember that. You had to go to the mall to get Chick Fil A. People who are younger are listening, going, "What?" And now it's everywhere except on Sunday. So <laughs> that's right, it is everywhere. So that's really nice knowing that you. You don't have to worry about that food at the games. You just keep your window closed. And so how about how about your girls? Do they ask about the fasting? What do you tell them? They are all health at healthy weights. They're young adults. They obviously my youngest daughter is still at home, is aware and she knows. So I've talked to them about it. We haven't talked a lot about the science behind it, but it seems to make sense to them. And I do feel like It's a tool they'll have available to them should they ever need it. You know, once they're no longer in their 20s. It's nice to have that. It is. But I like for them to see, too, that this isn't your fate in life is to simply gain weight uncontrollably into middle age and beyond. I like to see that there are some alternatives. My mother also fasts. She joined me. She was told that she was pre-diabetic. And so she'd already been made aware of fasting by another family member. And I just simply built on that foundation of information and shared a lot of the science with her. And I said, you know, if pre-diabetic is an issue, here's the solution. And we talked about that. And so she joined in and is no longer pre-diabetic. And so that's been great. I'm one of the people that if you give me an opening, I will absolutely talk about it. I'm not going to bring it up. But if somebody shares with me that they are struggling or they're looking for a way to lose weight or they share with me a medical issue whose root causes inflammation, I never hesitate to share the books and the podcast and the community. And here, you know, here's all this information available to you. Please take advantage of it. And so I know several people who are now fasting. So that's exciting. I was just thinking about that. I just shared it the other day with somebody and they acted like I was crazy. <laughs> and I wonder if it's sometimes harder for me to share it because I'm like, and I wrote a book and here's the book. So people just think I'm like sharing my own book. Whereas if I was like, here's a book you should read. This person looked at me like I was crazy. She's like, I can't do it because I'm diabetic. And I'm like, no, you should do it because you're you're diabetic. She was type two. And honestly, it was like, well, no, I can't. I can't. I'm like, I promise you can read my book. And then I was like, I wonder if it'd be better if I just pretended that wasn't my book and just told people about it. <laughs> I know a book you should read. It was written by someone, <laughs> someone named Jen Stevens. <laughs> I ran into an old friend I haven't seen in a long time, and she was sharing these medical problems that she's, you know, really struggling with and wondering what she could do. And I said, have you ever heard of intermittent fasting? It really helps with inflammation, you know, and and she said, oh, that's kind of the, the core behind these medical problems. And so I wrote down the books, the podcast, the whole thing, and I I hope that she will educate herself and give it a shot. You want people to just have the health that they can have. And and this person that was talking to me was complaining about, you know, the way she was feeling. And she was she's like, I need to diet. And I'm like, no, you could just do intermittent fasting. And she was like, well, I work out in the morning and then I'm super hungry. And I'm like, well, I'm doing water aerobics every morning and then fasting till late afternoon and I'm not starving. And just getting people to realize that you know, all the the things that you think are true might not be true. There's a better way. That is so true because everything we've been led to believe is not accurate. And I will say not having been a dieter all my life, I am shocked at how much diet brain I had. I'm just stunned at the calories in and calories out. And, you know, you're a failure if you're not able to control this and just On and on, I've been shocked to realize how much of that, those beliefs were pervasive. It's true. Even Chad, who never had to diet, believed that he was slim simply because he ate less and moved enough. And he he was like, all you have to do is eat less and move more, work up a sweat. That's all you have to do. I'm like, thank you, always skinny husband. That is not how simple it is. But (laughs) he believed that. And that's just, we've been told that so many times. Yeah, this person I was talking to the other day just said, no, because I'm type 2 diabetic, I must eat frequent small meals. 
I'm like, that is actually driving the, your insulin resistance, but you know, people have to be ready to hear it. So I, I planted that seed and hopefully, and, I, and then I'm like, why don't you read the diabetes code? So at least I could recommend that. Read the diabetes code. Try that. <laughs> Written by a doctor. And I'm trying to explain that. And by then she's like, no, you're crazy. I'm like, all right, okay. Time to stop. When people aren't ready, we move on. <laughs> I will say that when I went for my annual physical last year, my doctor noted, I have a female doctor, and she said, so I noticed you've lost weight since the previous year. Was that on purpose? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, what did you do? And I said, intermittent fasting. And she said, I do that too. And so I was thrilled to hear that, you know, and then we had a discussion about windows and, you know, but I was really excited to know that I have a medical professional in my, you know, court involved in doing the same thing. So yeah, that really feels good because I mean, you know that it's a healthy way to live, but if you had gone and she'd be like, oh, don't do that. That's dangerous. You would have had like that bad feeling about it, even though you know that's not true. <laughs> but the fact that she does it herself, that that says a lot. How about, you know, any of your, your blood work numbers? Have you had any health improvements? So I have, I will say that one of the things I struggle with still though is cholesterol, but that is due to a family history of high cholesterol. And I am still in the menopause transition, right? And so I've read a lot of information that says your cholesterol will rise during that time until you've completely gone through transition. And so that is something that I continue to work on. And I feel like once I get past that menopause, it will lower and I can quit working on that. I was not pre-diabetic. I did not, you know, I've not struggled with blood sugar. So I don't have numbers that show a great improvement there, but I will say I no longer have heartburn, you know, so I did, you know, there were a lot of more times that I had to have antacids or, you know, stomach discomfort, you know, because of what I had eaten or how late that's again, eating late is when that tended to be more problematic for me. And so moving that window up earlier, I think took care of that. That is a really good point because a lot of people who might struggle with nighttime reflux find that they can't eat such a large meal so close to bedtime. My sister is like that. You know, she's not, not an intermittent faster, but she cannot eat late at night for that reason. Like when I remember she and I traveled to San Diego years ago. And of course, you know, I'm fasting. I want to go out and have a big dinner. And she's like, I can't eat this late because <laughs> she would lay down and it would just, it would bother her. So that's a really good point. Anybody who's struggling with that, shift that window, that big meal, or even, you know, shift the big meal. That doesn't mean you have to have an 8 a.m. window like you, Suzanne. Someone could just have their big meal midday and then a little snack later. One of the things I think that's been huge for me is appetite correction. So distinguishing the difference between hunger and boredom. Before I started intermittent fasting, I just was not conscious. I was not aware of how often I stuck something in my mouth. You know, that I took a bite of something and I would walk through the kitchen and grab a bite of something or see it on my child's plate and grab a bite of something, you know. And so once I started fasting, you know, there were several times I wasn't paying attention right and grabbed we went over to a friend's house and we were picking cherry tomatoes and I'm popping cherry tomatoes in my mouth before I went oh my window's closed <laughs> right so I did a lot of mindless eating right I ate a few more and forgave myself and saved them you know till the next day so it wasn't a big deal but I just did not realize how much of that mindless eating I did and how often that we like we eat out of boredom or you eat when you're in the car and that becomes a habit or you eat when you sit down to watch a TV show and that becomes a habit. And so just being able to be aware of that mindless eating was such a big change for me and a big improvement. I think that's really true. You know, like we talked earlier about how we have food to soothe us all sorts of different ways. The boredom, like we always ate on road trips. That was just what we did. We would get in the car at the first gas stop. We would get snacks. Then we would snack, snack, snack because driving is boring. 
you're like, well, I need some sensory excitement. These Doritos, these combos, I would always get combos. Do you ever eat combos? Do you know what those are? I do know what they are, but I did not, I didn't like them. They are only at gas stations. I I don't know. Maybe there are other places too, but I would only buy them at gas stations. Like I would never have them unless I was traveling like the ones that tasted like pizza. But you know me, the crunchy, cheesy things are the things that I like. I can't think of the last time I've had a combo. But that was my drive. I would get combos and a Coke. And then I would start to crash. No surprise. Then I would have to stop again and get something else. And that it was just constantly, you know, fueling that blood sugar to keep me going till I got where I was going. And then I felt so awful by the time I got there. You know, you you come up with new habits. Instead, I'm getting coffee at the gas station or so you've, you've stopped the eating out of boredom now, and that's just not something you do. True. I just don't. Every once in a while, I catch myself thinking about it, and then I go, oh, yeah, remember, we don't do that anymore. So so how about your eating choices? Have your food choices changed at all? They have changed some. I will say that about five years before I found fasting, I had greatly reduced my sugar intake. I wouldn't say I was completely sugar-free. I would say if it has more than five grams of sugar, I'm not going to eat that or drink that, right? And so that greatly assisted with that afternoon slump because before, you know, I would grab a piece of chocolate or, you know, I teach adults all day. And so in order to convince them to sit in class, we offer candy and Cokes and, you know, coffee and all the things you have at a training. And I, I would walk through and have or Hershey's Kiss, or, you know, whatever that was. Yeah, anybody who's not in education, there are literally like bowls of chocolate at every teacher training. I I Maybe all all workplaces are like that, perhaps. I don't know. (laughs) I think it's mandatory. But, you know, I was eating that all through the day, and I just didn't realize that that was causing that slump. So I've greatly reduced the sugar. So I'd already done that. And anyone who's interested in doing that, it sounds... Horrible at first. I'll never be able to do that. But I promise if you could stick it out for just two months, your taste changed that quickly. And so soon, anytime I smelled someone eating a donut or my husband ate a Snickers, that smell was so overwhelming. And I had never smelled a Snickers before, right? But once I got away from sugar, it was overwhelming and overpowering. And I really wasn't that interested in it anymore. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. It really does change your taste a lot. I have a, a good friend, my college roommate, was telling me she had done some, now she's an intermittent faster, but she had done some um, low carb for a while, dabbled in that here and there. She said once she stopped and she was eating just real food more so and low carb, she said she went somewhere and had a strawberry at a restaurant. And she was like, y'all have put sugar on this strawberry because it tasted so sweet. And they're like, no, we promise it's just a strawberry. But she realized that her taste had changed dramatically. 
And then just the strawberry tasted really, really sweet. And I'm not really rigid about that. So if there is something and I think, oh, I want that, I still have it. It did that change my taste. I feel like the older I've gotten, the more healthy I've eaten. You know, I was the kid that never ate a vegetable. And even I would say through my 20s, I was not really interested in very many, you know, my green beans were acceptable, but I wasn't going to try anything. You know, I laugh now because I really love Brussels sprouts. But growing up, my mom boiled them and I was not a fan. Did she get the frozen ones? I don't think they were frozen. She was very healthy, right? It was all home cooked meals. It was healthy food, but I just was, I was not a fan. And then at some point I learned you could broil them. And now at air fryer, I feel like I eat fairly healthy anyway. I And part of that is because I'm working so hard on the cholesterol. I would say that my Achilles heel would be chips and queso. Oh, I get that. Yeah. And I bet y'all have some really good chips and queso there. We do. And we have so many Mexican food restaurants to choose from for chips and queso. And yours are probably really, really good. Like here in, you know, I know in Augusta, it was very hard to find good Mexican food. And even we have a new one here close to us here in Surfside Beach. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's nothing compared to what y'all have, but I love to go and get their their chips and queso there as well. So yeah, I could just like one bowl of chips, well, of queso with chips is like my surfing. There was a, a meme or something going around that said like, you would never eat five whole tortillas, but if they've been cut into wedges and fried, you would eat. And I thought, oh my goodness, that's true. Like I've eaten a whole lot of tortillas. What was that one meme that was going around? It's like, so chips and salsa, what happens? Do you run out or do you die or what? I mean, it was just like basically how we just eat them and eat them and eat them. I, I know I just said it completely wrong. Whatever it was, it was much funnier than that. <laughs> but if you've seen it, you probably know what I'm talking about, even though I just didn't didn't say it right. But it's true. That is a lot of tortillas that you're eating. It is, but I, I really, I enjoy that. They are so good. And I try to eat fewer fried things because I just, they are, I can feel the inflammation when I eat a lot of them. That's the thing. Like I can feel my face getting puffy and I don't like that feeling. So back to the sugar, I did want to ask what you, you, five grams of sugar is basically you like, you'll read the label and if it's five grams of sugar. That's the limit. So I'm not real, like if it's, I don't eat a lot of ketchup, but I'm not looking for sugar-free ketchup or sugar, you know, I'm not replacing it with sugar-free things. I'm just trying to limit the intake. And so, you know, to sit down and eat a piece of cake or a candy bar doesn't really appeal to me. Now, dark chocolate, like 85% chocolate, I may have a small piece of dark chocolate after a meal, but to like sit down and eat a Snickers or a Crunch Bar or, you know, I can't even imagine because it is so overwhelming. That's how I feel about those like lower quality candy now. Like I used to be a giant Reese's Peanut Butter Cup fan. I've talked about that before. I would buy them when they would go on the pumpkin ones. I don't know what was special about the pumpkin shaped ones. Maybe they had a higher percentage of peanut butter, which is possible. But I would buy those every year until one year I walked in and they didn't appeal to me. Like if you tried to hand me a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, I would say, no, thank you. You know, but a higher quality version, I'm sure I would I would like a lot better. But, you know, you said something about you're not replacing it with sugar-free version. That's not the goal. That's not going to make your taste change if you're, like, getting sugar-free ketchup with, like, a replacement sweetener in there. That's not the goal. Every once in a while, like, my daughter might have a Coke, and I would think, wow, I haven't had a Coke in a long time. And I'd say, let me have a drink. It was horrible. I just, you know, it was not, it's not what you remember. You know, you have this nostalgic memory of whatever fill in the blank tasted like. And once your taste change, you're surprised to find that that is not what it tastes like. That's true. Although I would drink a Mexican Coke if I was sick. For whatever reason, if I'm not feeling well, it's very rare. I can't think of the last time I've had one, but I have sent Chad to go get that for me when I was sick. Because something about that, I don't know, makes like if I was queasy, I don't know. But you're right. A regular one, it's not at all like we remembered. So do you exercise? Is there anything that you do? I walk is really my form of exercise. And I just recently, in fact, last week, I started um, working on my core strength through the tummy team with Kelly Dean. And she was episode 197. I went and looked that up. 
I purchased that program back in May, but I had some trips and some things scheduled and I wanted to wait till I was past that. So I started next week. It is easy to do, easy to follow. Her online program is really great. And I, you know, heard her on your podcast. I never would have known that that was a possibility. And my goal in working on that was to really strengthen my core, but because of those lower back issues that caused me some problems, you know, with exercise five years ago when I really had to stop, you know, then I've, I've been hesitant to resume some of the physical activity that I used to do because I was worried in the back of my head that that back issue would crop up again, you know, and so I was kind of favoring that and worrying about that. And so I'm really excited to work on this. And then once I feel that that core is strong, see what's next. And so many things are connected to your core or to parts of your body you might not even recognize. Like yours was, you were feeling it in your back, but it might be related to your core. Like I was just having something with my shoulder, but it actually was coming from my neck. So we feel it in one place, but it really, the root cause of it is somewhere else. But no one is ever sorry for strengthening their core. That's always a good thing to do. Yeah, I think that's what a vibration plate helps me with that as well. That's on a bucket list for the future. Getting a vibration plate. I love my vibration plate. They're actually doing some more research on them. This is kind of exciting at Augusta University. And I just got an email from somebody that works there and we had talked about it in a while past before I moved, before I knew I was moving and they're, they're developing some more research studies. And she's like, would you like to, you know, talk to the team? And I'm like, I would love to, but we're going to have to zoom because I've moved. But apparently I'm not sure who it is, but the, one of the lead researchers, I apparently taught their child. So I don't know who that is, but I taught a lot of children, but I'm like, well, that's even more exciting to see how their, their child is doing. But I'm a big believer in the, um, the power of the vibration plate to do a lot of things. And I'm excited they're doing more research out of Augusta. So anybody who's like, what's this vibration plate? Because I don't know if I've talked about it recently. JenStevens.com slash life pro. There's a couple of studies linked there about vibration plate and health in general. Like something I think with the, being good for diabetes. I mean, anyway, a lot of good benefits. So yeah, get one, get one. They're not expensive. <laughs> Even Chad is a believer in the vibration plane. He's not somebody that's done a lot of things, although he does go to water aerobics with me now. He went today. He's over there doing his own thing. We're all doing whatever the teacher said, and he's like doing something different. We're like, okay, <laughs> that's all right, Chad. <laughs> so I'm glad that you're working with Kelly Dean. That's fabulous. Now, you mentioned the end that you're struggling with high cholesterol. Is there anything else you struggle with in general, just with intermittent fasting? You know, originally, the taste of the ketones really bothered me. So initially, when I first started fasting, it was very evident when, when those kicked in and they really bothered me. And what I wanted most in the world was a piece of gum, which I couldn't have. And I kept, I did look and Google and research like, There's got to be something you can do, you know, but really you just had to power through that. But, you know, I rarely notice it at all now. And my family, you know, I was worried if I taste these ketones, my breath must be horrible. And so I would check with family members and they don't notice a thing. It was really only just bothersome to me. I wasn't, you know, offending anybody. It's so strong that you think you are, you know, so that was okay. But again, that was bothersome early on. Now, I don't think I really have a struggle. I just enjoy it. It's easy. It's part of life. It's just become second nature to fast. And again, because of that flexibility, if I have an event or somewhere I need to be, I can either just continue to delay and open a window later, or I can have dinner and extend my window. So either way, it's it's easy. I realize you didn't really talk about how you structure your window. I know you talked about it being early. When do you eat the, you know, like, do you get up and start eating at eight? How do you structure it? I generally have, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I am a hot tea drinker. And so I generally open my window about 7 a.m. with a cup of hot tea and I add collagen to that. And I may eat a protein bar. I would like to find something healthier to replace that with, but that is a go-to on the way to work. You know, that's what works. And then I have lunch and I generally meal prep 
on Sunday. And so I bring my lunch to work and close by one o'clock. All right. So that that works really well. And for anyone listening, yes, the tea with collagen. Suzanne said she opens with that. Collagen does break a fast. But she's she's breaking her fast. So that is that is fine because that's what she's doing. Because people always ask about collagen, which is why I wanted to bring it up because people are always asking still, do, you know, can I put collagen in my coffee? Not during the fast, but it's apparently big business these days. A lot of people are using collagen, but yes. So you just, you start off with a little, little something and then have your big meal lunchtime. That's what I wanted to check on just to see, because I know people who are thinking about experimenting with the morning window would like to know how to, how to make it work. And that sounds like a good way. So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I would say definitely read the books, both or either or, but please read the books, listen to the podcast. There are so many, even though I've you know, I've been in maintenance for about a year and a half, somebody will make a comment in the podcast that that I, you know, that sparks my memory and I go, oh, that's exactly right. Or that's new information, but how helpful is that? And so I'm a huge podcast addict your podcast. I don't really listen to other podcasts, but this one I'm really interested in. And again, I always learn something new. I enjoy it and join the community to get that support because it's just so important to have like-minded people in a place to go and ask a question. I think it's just critical to do that. I think so too, especially when you're starting off and it just makes a lot of difference. Even when you're having a hard day or something's not working, there's going to be someone that has some good advice for you. So by the way, Suzanne, have you ever listened to Life Lessons? I do listen to Life Lessons. Okay, good. I just wanted to say, I was like, if you like this one, you might like Life Lessons too. I do. I said yours was the only one and that one's technically still yours. So I love doing Life Lessons too. I mailed in a hack. I emailed a hack just the other day. So oh, yay, we need them. We need them. Definitely. We need the hacks. So send them in. Send us our good news story or... <laughs> I love doing the Life Lessons podcast, too, because as much as I love talking to, about fasting, that's not all there is. So if anybody hadn't listened to Life Lessons, check it out. I do it with my good friend, Sherry Bullock, and we have a lot of fun. The other thing I would say that I wish I knew is that it's really just a mindset. I thought back to how many times that I had overeaten to the point that I was uncomfortable and I was willing to be uncomfortable, but for some reason, I wasn't willing to be hungry. It's really the same thing. It, pick your uncomfortable, right? Are you more willing to eat, think after a big Thanksgiving dinner till you're just miserable? And you'll justify that and you'll put up with that. But somehow, if you feel a hunger pain, that's not acceptable. And I thought those are really two sides of the same coin. Which one are you willing to choose. That is so interesting. I've never heard anybody say that like that before, Suzanne. That's powerful, but you're right. You can push through a little discomfort of a hunger wave here and there, but it feels so much worse to be overly full. So much worse. I agree. And so anytime I've had, especially early on, right, if there was a hunger pain, I would just say, you know, you're not, you're not the boss of me. And this is not when we're going to eat, you're perfectly fine. We're going to move on, right? And it's really just what you tell yourself, right? If you could tell yourself that you're fine when you're miserably full, then you can tell yourself you're fine if you feel a little bit of hunger. And you're 100% right when you say that it's all mindset, because I can remember before my mindset was in the right place, before I, way before I wrote any of my books or in, had the groups even, I can remember like feeling very like sad that I couldn't eat. Like I can't, like I would be taking Will through a drive through and I'm like, I'm trying to fast and I can't eat right now and looking longingly at whatever he was eating. And it was a matter of flipping that switch and, and changing my mindset around it. And it's like, I don't even want to eat that right now. I don't, that's not something that would make me feel good. And instead I'm fasting and I'm helping my body it just really changing what I told myself, that self-talk really changes everything. Well, Suzanne, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. 
That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.